0: Welcome again, everyone. Welcome everyone online, worshiping with us today. It's good to see everybody here with you. Um, I sometimes uh, hear people say this phrase. Uh, I saw thought once in a movie there were two guys, they were, I think they were doctors, and they were pulling out of the parking lot underneath the hospital, and they said, it's a good thing we never bothered getting a family because we never would have seen them anyways because we work so much. Ha, 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 and they chuckled and drove away, and um, I, I'm kinda, it, it kind of stuck in me because you know, when you hear people say things like, I don't know if you ever heard people say this, I'm married to my job. You know, Some of them say that, oh, I work so much, I'm married to my job. Uh, I haven't seen my family, but I see my job all the time, right? <coughs> when I hear that, I never know like, quite what to say to that. I, I never know quite what the response is to, yeah, I'm married to my job. I get it that, you know, sometimes we can be in tough economic s- situations, we just have to work a lot. Um, and I know that some employers are absolutely ruthless and, in, and very demanding and they expect insane amount of hours. I think it was Elon Musk was standing in front of his Tesla factory in China and he was talking about how great it was that they, they worked so long and he said, you know, we talk about burning the midnight oil, but you guys burn the 3 a.m. oil. And he goes, my American workers, they don't even want to show up to work. And I'm like, well, how much are you paying them? Like he was making it this great, this great thing that these people had no life and could do nothing else and that they were so poor and desperate that all they could do in their human existence was every second of their day build Teslas. And he wanted to make it sound like that was a good thing you know? And I'm like, you got like 225 million. Give your employees a raise. Cut their hours a little bit. Be nice, Mr. Grand Visionary Guy. But no, no, he wants everyone married to their jobs. Married to your jobs. You know, and when I hear people say that, it's almost like there's maybe like a little bit of a brag to it. You know? I'm married to my job. See how much harder I work than everybody, than than that guy over there? And you know, I, I hear that, and like I say, I'm never quite sure the right response, because in a marriage, in theory, the other person cares about you, right? And your health and your well-being matter to them. And they care when you're gone, and when you're gone, they miss you. Your job, I guess it depends where you are, but honestly, uh, I would doubt it. I, 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 did, I heard of a guy... He had done exactly that. He had basically devoted his entire life to this corporate position, whatever it was. And I don't remember the specifics, but he had devoted everything to that position. He had worked the midnight oil. He had had, had sacrificed weekends and hobbies and family and you name it. And he had risen in the company. They'd rewarded him for all that. And he had built up more wealth. He'd moved up in his position. And just like the guy in our Bible verse, he died before he had a chance to enjoy all that retire- the retirement he had saved up for. He had banked all this money and all this stuff. He had, he had married that job absolutely all the way in, and then he died unexpectedly. He missed out on life to work and never got to enjoy the fruits of his labor. And when he died, his supervisor got the management team together in the boardroom and they all sat down. And he gave everybody the announcement ah, so and so's da- just died. And he gave about 10 seconds to silence. All right. Now, I've already contacted HR, and we're going to be working on replacing him tomorrow. Now, what this means is that we're going to have to pick up some of his work. And so you're going to get an extra shift, and you'll get an extra shift, and he will get an extra shift, and everybody gets an extra shift, and synergy and monetization, and synergy some more, and blah, blah, blah. It was, like he, it was like he didn't exist. Move on. No time to mourn. No, hey, let's all take a day off work tomorrow to grieve his loss. No special mention of him over the loudspeaker. I don't know if they still do that. They probably just email everyone. I would hope he get, at least got an email memo. No party to celebrate that he'd, well, all he'd done for the company. Nothing. Ten seconds of silence and off to the races. He didn't even get a picture on the wall to remember him by. He didn't get a, he didn't get a memorial wing, he didn't even get a memorial cubicle. It sounds like a Dilbert thing, doesn't it? This is Dilbert's cubicle. None of, and none of the people he spent all that time with, they weren't at his funeral. He didn't have any money at his funeral because he didn't have a family because he was married to his job. He gave his life to the company, and the company didn't miss a beat. Now, I do imagine some businesses are better than others, right? I would imagine a family business probably better. I would imagine if you were a firefighter, and one of your firefighters died, you would make an effort to remember them. They might get a picture on the wall. You might have a night out You know, if if a a fellow police officer died. You might might go out to Billy's McBar, Tavern, whatever place you go. I don't know where Marana cops go. Um, I imagine some are better than others, but the corporate world, hmm. I wouldn't hold my breath. I wouldn't gamble on that. They're not your family at the end of the day. I think sometimes, sometimes we do a lot of work to try to build up a legacy and hope that that legacy is going to outlive us, uh, that people will remember us by it, that it will be something that future generations will cherish, that whatever it is, that it will will help us live on, but the hard truth is that Most of us are not so famous that after a couple generations, we'll be remembered. And that's not the most exciting fact. But, you know, I think back in my own family, like, okay, parents, grandparents, I knew my grandparents, great-grandparents, I've heard some stories, great-great-grandparents. I don't think I can name their names. You know, I'd have to go look it up in a book. And it's not like they had no impact on me through the ages, but I couldn't remember them. You know, I, I, I don't live on the family farm like the generations, right? This isn't Yellowstone, right? I've seen the family farms. They're not farming them anymore, and no one in the family lives on them. I don't have their china or their memorial Christmas plates Nothing they created or purchased is in my life. Nothing. All their possessions, all the materials they got with their hard work, it's all gone, and we don't even remember who they were. All I can do is pick up the old pictures from time to time and look at those old mangled yellow pictures and hold it up and I can hope that they had the best possible life that they had while they were here, with the least amount of suffering, that they had the best times with their family, they got the most out of their days on this earth. That's all I can do is hope. Because what else could they have gained from all their work? It isn't around anymore. Today we read a little bit from the book of Ecclesiastes. It's one of those Old Testament books we kind of forget about. Uh, unless you're listening to the old East Station and suddenly the birds come on, you know, and then that catchy tune gets in your head again, for everything, turn, and you just want to start swinging, turn, turn. Or maybe, if you're a Mumford nerd like me, you would notice that, that you'd catch the, that new version they did with Baba Mall in South Africa. Um, if you haven't looked it up, Google it. It's awesome. But... King Solomon, who is attributed to writing this, he didn't write Ecclesiastes to wax poetic about the nature of time. He's writing about how pointless work is and how little is the legacy. And he was the king. I always always think of Ecclesiastes kind of like the, the, the book for French existentialist philosophers, you know. Like, if Paul Sartre wasn't an atheist, he would have loved Ecclesiastes, you know? I could just see him sitting there by the rue de something, de something, you know, with him and Simone with their little, their cigarettes going, vanity, vanity, it is all vanities. Now let us go drink wine and contemplate our death. Right? Maybe you're not all philosophy nerds. But here we go, this is what it says, Ecclesiastes 2. I hated all my toil, in which I toiled under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to those who come after me. And who knows whether they'll be wise or foolish, yet they will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned and gave my heart up to despair concerning all the toils of my labors under the sun, Because sometimes one who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave all to be enjoyed by another who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. There's your inspirational Facebook meme for today. But did you catch that? I must leave it to somebody who did not toil it and who knows whether they will be wise or foolish. Who knows if they'll take care of the farm, or bankrupt it, or sell it to frackers. Who knows if the house I spent my weekends fixing will be appreciated by the next owner or just turned into an Airbnb party pad. Or who, or maybe my heirs will just sell it and use the money to buy an NFT, Got a little pixelated monkey on a server somewhere. I have no control over it, no control. My legacy is out of my hands. <laughs> once it's gone. I can't extend myself beyond the life I live. I can only hope. I can do my best to make an impact now and I can hope. But that's why I say your job is not your family. It's a business that's using your labor for its own ends and we all do that but don't, you know, drown yourself in thinking that it's going to somehow guarantee a future. Saving, investing, those are all good things. We probably don't do enough of them, to be honest. Planning ahead, building equity, good things. But they're not your family. They can't replace your family if you're gone. They can't get your back, your family, if you lose them. So why would you give up your family for all the toil under the sun? There is one way. Sort of, to extend yourself. And that is giving it away. What do you give away? Well, first you have yourself, right? You give yourself your time, your energy, your presence, your hopes and joys, your heart, your soul. You can give that away while you're alive. And it will extend your impact far better than a, new, a big TV or a new Razor. Money can go, but memories, lives change, that stuff tends to linger more. And it matters because under the sun, because what you give away cannot be sold on eBay. It has no value, which is what makes it the most valuable thing. Second, you do have the money you've earned and the assets you've built, and you can give that away too. That will extend yourself a little. You can give it to the shelter and you can watch people not freeze or hear not bake. Right? They may never know you, but they'll definitely feel the difference. Right? And then you can give that money away again when you go. And it will keep impacting people for generations. You can put it in things like an endowment or give to a project, like the church roof, right? And yes, these are ways that can help you extend yourself and build a legacy of gaining something from all that work and that toil. And that's not an accident. It's not vanity. It's impact. It's legacy. It's the gospel's way of saying that, you know, we gain by giving and we live by dying, and we grow by sharing. We build up by letting go. And when we do that, it is not vanity. Amen.